On this episode of Infinity Sports, we are going to be talking baseball again, although briefly. Uh, we're going to be talking movies again, because that's what I like to do. And we're going to be talking a few other sports as well. But first things first, let's kick it off with our retro intro. Jordan. is another day of infinity sports i'm wayne g joined as always by sully what's up how we living bro fantastic um obviously not as much sports to get to i think that we had a lot of catching up to do last episode so uh i did listen to the episode though when i was driving to go get stuff the other day i had it in the car and uh it's a great episode all of our episodes are so great like they a- really are if you were to basically take a greatest hits from like every great <laughs> podcast in history like that's like every show for us like it, it's just great you ain't lying uh, I did want to kick things off with some baseball today. I know we talked baseball at the beginning of the last show. Uh, Car- uh, Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox throws a no-hitter, 8 nothing win against the Cleveland Indians. The reason it's kind of a story, I guess, is because he had a perfect game through 8 and a third, and then he hit a guy on the foot with two strikes and you know hit by pitch. Then he got the other two outs, and he had a no-hitter instead of a perfect game, which, honestly, I don't think is that big of a I'll take it if I'm a pitcher. Perfect game versus a no-hitter is a huge difference massively huge difference um perfect games weigh so much heavier um than than no hitters especially to get that deep into one eight and a third and then to do it with a you know you blunderly hit a guy you know when you're so focused for that long and then make kind of a mistake like that it's just frustrating but i mean extremely good talent um you know he's an extremely highly rated prospect coming out you know pitcher like most pitchers took a long time to get going really you know those guys usually take a while to kind of find their feet but what's even wild is the game before shane bieber went i think it was eight and a third uh 12 strikeouts and a shutout or something like that and and completely dominated the white Sox the game before then carlos rodon comes out and completely dominates the indians in the very next game um, so two really huge pitching pitching duels there in that series. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Bieber's fantastic. I mean, he's a monster. Bieber's a stud, dude. Um, it's a shame he plays for Cleveland. Uh, you know, if he played for somebody like, you know, New York or, you know, L.A. for that matter, or somebody like that, um, shoot, even the Rays, uh, you know, he would have way more wins at that point and just look, I think, so much better. Kind of had like a Joe Burrow career, in my opinion, because I felt like before last year, I didn't know who Shane Bieber was. He was like a, a three, four, six ERA guy. And then last year, he goes, what, nine and oh, or nine and one, leads the league in strikeouts, ER, won the triple crown, right? And now this year, he comes out on fire as well. So I wonder if there's a little uh, liquid enhancement. I, I mean, again, I, I would assume so. A lot of these guys are figuring out that, um, that you can get up to a certain threshold. Um, so like they'll get their self tested and let's say they're randomly at 300, their test levels at 300. Um, well the pop level isn't like till around like a thousand, um, depends on each sport obviously. But, um, so they'll get, you know, shots to boost their level all the way up to a thousand at that point. 
Um, but you never know. Again, it takes a long time for pitchers to put it together. Usually, rarely do you see a guy put it together at like 20, 21, 22, something like that. Uh, you know, pitchers are thinking man's game. So I, I think like, you know, 27, 28 is when you see guys really kind of put it together. Well, how much of it do you think is a mental game versus the physical game? Because I believe a guy like Steven Strasburg had it day one. Like he came in, he was just striking out 13 guys. But it's, he had in arm issues. But I mean, he's a guy that he got it right away. I mean, he had nasty stuff. So does he really need to get to 27, 28 to figure it out? Or is like his stuff good enough that he doesn't need to? I mean, to be fair, he's progressively gotten better as a pitcher. So like, yeah, he was good coming out, but he was still, he was up and down and he wasn't like, he's never been like a Cy Young guy to be fair. So um, like, I don't think he's ever truly, really put it, really, truly put it together again. He's had the injury issues. So anytime he's actually been in a groove, you know, he, he unfortunately catches a nagging injury or something like that. But I mean, just look at it. You see like guys like Verlander, Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, all these guys, they hit their stride. Bauer, you know, Garrett Cole. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on with guys who hit their stride at around 25, 26, 27. Um, and then, you know, 27 to, you know, 30, 33 is, is kind of their prime. Um, before that, it, you could have nasty stuff and get away with it, but it's more about recognizing when to throw the correct pitch um, and, and, essentially getting these scouting reports on these guys. And I think that comes with time. That's tough to, to just have out the gate. I guess. Yeah. Maybe some of these guys start off younger or earlier. It's, it's just like I said, just nasty stuff. I think a guy like Greg Maddox, right? So Greg Maddox came in 87. Uh, he was throwing 98 miles per hour. Um, he was a flamethrower, but you know, what was he like five and seven as a record or whatever. And then of course, you know, a couple years go by, he ends up on the Braves. He's throwing 94, 95, but this is, you know, the stretch of five or six Cy Youngs, whatever it is. Shoot, he'd then, be lucky if he was throwing 95. But, yeah, he yeah. became a, a, an entirely mental pitcher. Yeah. And then, of course, corners and things like that. End of his career, he was throwing 86, 85, but he was still winning games. Like, Yeah, exactly. Paint corners, no the strikes on varying speeds. Varying speeds is the key to pitching. It's bottom line, varying speeds is the key to pitching. If you can throw 94, even if it's not 100, now it's easier if it's 100, but if you can throw 94 and then trick a guy into making your 87-mile-per-hour pitch look like your 94-mile-per-hour pitch, that's the that's the key to pitching in my opinion. So. Well, I think that's what they said was so lethal about Pedro is they said that his changeup, his pitching and arm motion, arm slot was identical to his fastball. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at the, at the best pitchers in baseball – I guarantee you 90% of them have an incredible changeup. Um, that's all I really had for baseball. I mean, not a really a whole lot. I mean, happening. we got to talk about Ronald Acuna right now. Did, did we talk well, about it? We talked about it briefly. Okay. I mean, not, I'm I mean, looking at his stats today. He had another, I think, three home runs from – or five home runs from Tuesday to Saturday. The guy is absolutely crushing the baseball. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's leading in every statistical category you can outside of um, average. Uh, but, I mean, he's – crushing the ball it's just insane to watch he can't miss i mean even guys are like like i mean you're even kind of pitching around him and and, got, and he's still lighting it up because you can't with freddie freeman essentially there but i mean it's a lot of fun to watch and then i was saying he's in 462 or something like that like it's not and then tatis came back last night from the injury and dropped a bomb um so you know hopefully he gets back into stride and and it, you know can continue the the trend he was on because you hate to see it with that shoulder injury. It can be so bad. Yeah, I love seeing the young guys do well. And the thing with Acuna, because I was looking at it today, I almost put it down on my list because, like you said, he's, I think, fifth in batting average. He's third in home runs, and he's first in RBIs. And I thought good trivia question would be, who is the youngest uh, triple crown winner of all time? Um, I have no idea, so I'm just throwing it oh, out there. 
God, I don't even know. Um, I would assume it would be probably like Teddy Williams or somebody like that back in the day. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, in basketball, the big story was LaMarcus Aldridge retiring. And I thought, well, we talked about this last episode. Great acquisitions by the Nets, right? <laughs> you know, uh, Blake Griffin's averaging two and a half points per game, and uh, Marcus Aldridge calls it quits. And I guess it had to do with a heart condition. They said he had some sort of a heart condition, and he's fine. He's He was cleared, but he said just scared the crap out of him, so he's just not going to play. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was crazy. Again, the, the, the Nets loading up on talent, quote-unquote, and then, nope, not really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny that we talked about it and and essentially talked about how it really wasn't that big of an ad. So I truthfully don't think it's that big of a subtraction. Um, I don't think it made him significantly better, if I'm being honest. So I, you know, it's tough for me for me to argue that would make them significantly worse. Uh, you know, it's more or less just just kind of coincidence and funny. Uh, the heart murmur I know can be scary. Um, these big guys, um, you know. They get moving, and it's you know we got to remember he's still you know probably two seventy two you know way up there in weight, and uh, the heart's still a muscle that needs to work, and and you know you get a murmur and it can scare you, it can put the fear of God in you. So I, I understand him in stepping down. It it's only a matter of time before Blake Griffin retires at this point, honestly. No, it's actually kind of crappy when I think those heart murmurs or heart conditions with basketball players, and I think of a guy like Isaac Austin. I think it was from uh, Baylor. Who this is a guy who when he was in high school I think he lost his eye he had something happen where he lost his eye, but still managed to become like a top five high school prospect uh, was a one and done at Baylor and he was a going to be a lottery pick and then during the you know conditions Medicals. or whatever, physicals yeah they, they discovered he had a heart condition could never play basketball again for the rest of his life. Like, I mean to be fair though it probably saved his life. Y- yeah, yeah but, like, but you yeah. overcome so much you know and then it's like yeah yeah you do um but again you know in, in that instance you got to think of the bright side of well damn if i'd have stayed at baylor i'd have probably died on the court or something like that you know what i mean so um you know everything you know has its purpose and obviously that's a terrible story but i mean you know it's gonna happen at least he didn't end up like you know your boy lynn bias I know the biggest bust in NBA draft history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people get so mad when you say that, but I'm like, dude, the guy had zero points for his career. What do you mean? Yeah, what he was number two overall pick. Yeah. I don't care if he died. He's still a bust. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about busts in a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of busts, actually, number two pick, Jabari Parker, signs with the uh, hey, that Duke, Suffolk. that Duke guy, right? Man, yeah. they're really good. Yeah, the Duke, the Duke Hall of Famer. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> He's averaging 2.7 points and two rebounds a game, so I don't think it's really going to materialize in anything significant for the Celtics. But it's disappointing for me, not only as a Duke fan, actually, but I just love Jabari Parker. I loved his game, and to see him go from being the second overall pick, which I was hoping the Lakers would get him. Glad they didn't. Um, and just he didn't really pan out. I don't know. I, you know, granted, I don't consider myself that great of a basketball evaluator to begin with, but man, I thought Jabari Parker was going to be good. And uh, I'm just kind of confused why his skill set didn't work out. You know, obviously, I don't know the make the mental makeup of the young man, but um, you, you would think just his his basketball ability and the way he played the game that, that he would have succeeded, uh, you know, but it is what it is. You know, again, it's, it's kind of one of those things now that I – I always say you don't draft a guy because you don't not draft a guy because of the school he went to. But man, I'd, it'd be hard pressed for me to take a Duke guy at this point. Yeah, I mean Zion was a guy who I thought was a no brainer. Well, um, yeah, of course Zion was a no brainer, but that's like that's again that's completely different. That's a generational type prospect. You know, I, 
you know, I mean, Justin Fields isn't getting the hate of being an Ohio State quarterback because he's Justin Fields, you know. Um, I think that's kind of the same kind of comparison. Yeah, I mean, I've never, and I've never really lent credence to the whole, you know, Duke doesn't produce good basketball players. But I think our argument with Nick was that it is out there. (laughs) It it exists. Yes, exactly. I don't think people should pay attention to it or or care about it in any way. But I mean, you know, to think, you know, three players out of the last, you know, twenty-five to thirty players that have been drafted succeed. You know. Uh, that's a problem. Now, granted, having 30 players even draftable is is obviously a, a great thing and an accomplishment in itself. And, you know, it means you're producing talent and probably have a successful college club or college ball club. But again, that doesn't mean it translates into big league talent. And that's kind of the point that we were making. You know, Grant Hill, Kyrie Irving, Zion Williamson alone don't make it worth it. And, you know, to bring up names like Carlos Boozer and, you know, Elton Brand, it's like, well, yeah, they're they're solid role players. But again, if you're drafting a guy in the lottery in the top fives and things like that, you want more. And I just think maybe bust is the wrong word or, or, or just not living up to expectations. I don't think a lot of Duke players have lived up to expectations. I think bust is fair. And Elton Brand was the number one overall pick. And so you yeah. can say he didn't live up to expectation. But I mean, you know, he had a couple seasons where he averaged 20 points per game. He's a multiple time all star. Yeah, of course. So I'll take his career. I mean, that's fine. That's so I, I agree. I don't think, again, just to say these guys are, are bust doesn't mean they weren't good players. Like, if you go number one overall, there's a certain expectation of how you're supposed to play. And franchise changer. Exactly. And I don't think, I wouldn't think Elton Brand did that or, you know what I mean? And, you know, Carlos Boozer went, what, four, I think it was, or, or something very high again. Some of that. And and again, I don't think he, yeah, he was a multiple time all-star and, and things like that. And, you know, I don't think he was a player that lived up to his draft expectation. Um, and, and I think Duke has a history of that. And, and I think of more guys like you said, those guys are top five picks. And that's what I'm talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know some people bring up lottery picks in general. So they'll bring up a guy who went 12th or 13th. But I'm thinking, yeah, Jay Williams was a number two overall pick. And granted, he had a motorcycle accident. And that kind of shortened, But still, you know, still. Uh, uh, Bobby Hurley, I think, was a top five pick. Um, I looked at uh, Brandon Ingram, who's actually starting to play really well. He's playing really well. Full start in his career. Yeah. Um, Jalil Okafor was number two overall pick. Oh, God, I thought he was going to be so good. I remember that. <laughs> Jabari Parker's a two overall pick. It's just they, yeah. they don't do really well. And I don't know. I guess if, you, if you're not going number one, then maybe stay away from the Duke guys. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And then, like, you know, Christian Leitner, another one that, you know. Okay I, I career. Mean, yeah, okay career. People point out, man, he was on the dream team. Well, he's the only college kid on the dream team, didn't really play. And after that, didn't really do much. Like, you know, like again, but he was picked fourth overall. Like, you know, you've got you've to change your team if you're being picked at that point. And I don't think Duke has ever, you know, outside of even Grant Hill, which, again, I love Grant Hill, minus the injury. You know, we'll talk about that later. You know, he's one of the players mentioned. If if I could not – if I could have one player back from injury, like Grant Hill would probably be top three on everybody's list, you know, for basketball specifically. I mean, the guy was a monster and, and was a game changer and unfortunately got hit with an injury. But outside of him, Kyrie and Zion, it's like, I mean – who else is actually living up to their expectation? I don't know. And I know that uh, Leitner, I'm still bitter about him being on the dream team um, because I'm a huge Shaquille O'Neal fan. And I thought Shaquille O'Neal should have been on that dream team instead of Leitner. However, 
they Isaiah should have been on the team other than Lane. Well, but they were taking one college-ish type player. I, oh, okay. I didn't know that was like what they were trying to yeah. do. Okay. Um, so they're taking one college type player, and it was between Shaq and Leitner. Uh, uh, Shaq was obviously the number one overall pick. Leitner was the third overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alonzo Mourning, number two, was counting. Um, the uh, just paying attention. Though. Yeah. The uh, reason that Leitner got picked is because he had just won Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, like came NCAA off that big shot. Yeah. yeah. So he made it over Shaq, but. I always think, man, that dream team and whoever they picked from the college wasn't going to play a lot anyways. But I'm like, man, like that dream team wasn't good enough that if you added Shaquille O'Neal, like, <laughs> well, I mean, Shaq, you know, came in and made an impact his rookie season. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a rebound leader or top three in rebounds his rookie season. Yeah, 20 they, points per game. Yeah. And t- so, I mean, he probably would have made a, a, I mean, not probably, he would have made a much bigger impact on that dream team than Christian Leitner. Now, would he have played? Highly doubtful. But again, in his minutes, he would have made a much bigger impact than Christian Leitner. Now, it wouldn't have had any difference. It's not like they were sweated anyway, but still. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other bit of NBA news I have here is Dwayne Wade becomes part owner of the Utah Jazz. So cool. It's super cool. I don't know what his actual percentage is. I'm going to guess it's 5% or less, but it's still, I mean, he's an ownership group, which is cool. And we see obviously LeBron James's ownership with Liverpool and Boston Red Sox now. Um, and he's currently playing. It's not even like he's retired. Um, I love seeing stuff like that. A-Rod's going to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. Grant Hill's part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. I love seeing players become owners. Derek Jeter of the Marlins. Well, he's a majority owner, is he not? Well, so is Michael Derek Jordan Peter. of the Hornets, too. Well, yeah, Michael Jordan's the yeah the the main Hornet. Yeah, I mean that's wild. That's I mean Michael Jordan makes sense. I mean he's insanely insanely, you know, wealthy. Um, I can't find an actual percentage number. The league does mandate you buy at least one percent. <throat> so his minimum stake in the company would be sixteen point six mil. So, uh, I mean five percent of that's a lot of money. That's damn. That's a lot of money. Uh, that's like 80 mil. Yeah, that's like roughly 80 mil. It's a little over that because of the 0.6 at the end. Um, but, man, uh, I mean, if it, I think D-Wade's got the money for it. He, he joined a partnership group with – God, who was it? I, I'm struggling to remember. But, uh, um, I mean, good for him. And I think more athletes should do it. I think the NBA is an easier path, and, and so is the MLB because uh, it's cheaper. Um, obviously, to buy into an NFL franchise is, you know, kind of out of these guys' realms. Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs um, owns a lot of the Royals, not a lot. He owns a stake of the Royals. Um, did that right after his um, giant contract because he's a brilliant young man. Uh, and I think we'll see more athletes doing this. Honestly, if I was a a big name quarterback like that, I would demand ownership in the team that I'm playing on. Um, as like you know, as as like you know, like. T- uh, uh, a jobs offer like stock and things like that. I'd be like, I want ownership stake, you know, give me, you know, a half a percentage ownership stake, you know, each year I play for the team or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? And then by the end of the contract, especially in Patrick Mahomes case, by the end of the contract, I retire a chief and, you know, take over this ownership stock of 5% or something, which I think would be so cool. Um, you know, you, you've got guys like Russell Okun working Bitcoin into his deal. Uh, I think this is, you know, probably the next step. Yeah, I think that ownership in a sports team is almost guaranteed. If it's one of the major sports, it's almost guaranteed to appreciate over time. Oh, 100%. So that's definitely an investment. I was always thinking if I was like a rich NFL player, NBA player, whatever it is, um, and you can't invest in like football or basketball or even baseball, I would look at the MLS. I think that's a really up-and-coming league, and especially with guys like like Beckham. Somebody just bought one. Well, I know that Beckham obviously owns the LAFC, I think it is, or Miami. 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 
Um, uh, damn, keep going because I know somebody just bought into an MLS team. Yeah, that's that's the route I would go. I would buy into the MLS because I can get it cheap right now, and I think it's going to appreciate, and they're going to become a major league over time. Agreed. I think they are definitely on the uh, up and up. Um, you know, it's it's a, a lot of these. Like Ronaldo has already said, like you know, I'll probably finish my career in um, in the MLS and, and in America and things like that. Um, Kevin Durant, that's it, owns Philadelphia Union. James Harden, Houston Dynamo. Steve Nash, Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Magic Johnson, Los Angeles FC. And uh, yeah, so I mean, a lot of these guys are getting behind it and see it's it's a growing sport and and. You know, you don't have to invest hundreds of millions or fifty million dollars into it, and you can see a, a profit and a return. And especially if you can get at the base floor, and then again, if if guys like Ronaldo and Messi start coming over, I mean, it's going to absolutely explode. So. Well, that's what I was thinking: is who is going to be the Tiger Woods? Right? Remember, golf was just kind of whatever, and then Tiger came along, and it became the major sport for a long time while he was playing. And I'm curious who's going to be the Tiger Woods of the MLS that's going to come along. And I think it's going to be a Ronaldo. It can't be the last year or the last two years of his career. It's got to be like the last five years of his career. Like it's got to be, he's got juice left. Um, But I'm thinking if I'm Ronaldo, it's all about money at this point, right? I mean, what do you care about winning another UEFA championship or whatever? What do you care? So my whole thing is I'm looking at my future. I say, listen, I will come and play in the MLS, but I want revenue from the entire league, not just the team I'm on. Like I will come over because your whole league revenue is going to go up. Oh, so if, by a ton. Yeah. So if I come over there, I want you know five percent of league revenue if I come over and play in the MLS. I mean, and honestly, you probably get it. Now the thing is, it doesn't matter when Ronaldo comes over. He can come over now. He can come over five years from now. He's going to be the best player in the league. Um, he could be forty, and he'd be the best player in the league. Um, but I don't think there'll ever be a guy that's that's Tiger um, because the best player in the sport will never be playing in the MLS like ever, ever, or you mean like ever, 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 maybe in a hundred years, but I'm just (laughs) saying the, the quality of, of soccer in the MLS isn't near to what it would need to be for the best player ever. And not just that, the contract, you can make infinitely more money in playing in, uh, you know, the English premier or La Liga or something like that. Um, and then also you're playing against the best competition at that point. Um, over here, you're just not getting that, unfortunately. And I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll see that influx in our lifetime just because it's, it's so ingrained over there that that's, I mean, that's the best soccer. That's where you go. Well, I, I chalk up to short-sighted owners as well because Kristen Pulisic was playing in the MLS to start off and then got sold over to Europe because I think you get ownership here who's like, listen, if I can sell this guy to whoever over there for $100 million or $80 million, why would I keep him here? Well, it's not that at all. It's in a year when his contract's up, I have 0% chance of keeping him. Why? So why not get $90 million for him? Yeah. That's how it always – I mean, because he went to Borussia Dortmund, and Borussia Dortmund then sold him to Chelsea for a hundred million dollars. Cause he actually got bought for like 20 from the MLS and then Borussia Dortmund sold him. Because again, once your contract runs up, you can transfer for free at that point. And nobody is wanting to see that happen. And every single good player that will ever play in the MLS will leave and go to a bigger league because that's, I mean, that's just what it is. It's like playing in the NFL Europe league and you're the 12 time MVP. You could clearly play in the NFL Well, you're going to go to the NFL. Um, that's just, you know, that's just how it works. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of the NFL, uh, Aaron Donald got into this huge fight, and for a few days there was a story. The guy, uh, I have his name, D- D- Vincent Spriggs, came out and had said, like, had said that Aaron Donald beat him up. He had pictures of the eye all swollen. And uh, well, when I read about it today, I was like, well, let me just check the status on this thing, and I see that uh, apparently Spriggs was arguing with Donald, swung a bottle at him, missed. And then got beat up by all these people who like piled on him and said, you know, we're going to beat this guy up for trying to attack Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald doesn't even know the people that beat him up. He's like, these are just people who are like, hey, don't attack him. Yeah. So actually, there's a security footage video that's been released where Aaron Donald's not even in the video. He's being restrained by other people outside of the outside of the frame of view. The guy's getting beat up by a group of people. And Aaron Donald runs over and pulls people off of the guy. And so Aaron Donald actually saves the guy from getting more hurt. And just because the initial altercation was with Aaron Donald, the guy wants to cause a stir and try to get money now. And from reports, the bottle actually does hit Aaron Donald. Okay. Um, from his lawyer's report, the bottle the bottle apparently grazes Aaron Donald's head. Then Aaron Donald, other people swarm on this guy and start beating the shit out of him. Um, and then on the video, you clearly see his day. Aaron Donald pulled this guy off of him. Um, what you also see clear as day is one of the other supporters just hanging out, hanging out. Somebody's on top of the buddy. Uh, I'm assuming it's the friend of the guy who got beat up. He's on top of him, kind of like trying to keep people off of him, like keep away. And then somebody just runs up and sneaks his buddy that's on that's trying to help him out. And uh, it just hits him from the side and he doesn't see it coming. But uh, I mean – I don't know what you expect in that situation. You know, you're picking a fight with a guy who, you know, you know is probably going to be a bad idea. It, it's a thing that, like, you're trying to start trouble on purpose. To I think this was his end goal was to maybe get beat up and then make money, like, truthfully. Because you're not going to win a fight against Aaron Donald. Like, it, like, he's not, like, a sloppy, big defensive tackle. He's quick and ferocious. And not just that – his best quality is his hands and how violent his, his hands are. So, I, I mean, it, it's it's not a fight you're going to win. I, I got to think this was the guy's end goal to begin with. And um, 99.99999% chance zero charges would be filed um, by the police department. I would expect 0%, honestly, that nothing gets filed because uh, the video is clear as day, in my opinion. Well, and I read something too that somebody had a picture of Aaron Donald working out. Of course, completely shredded. He's not. Like you said he's not a tubby he's interior. At all. He's shredded, and they said he's also a black belt. I guess. Is like, he? Yeah. So, like, why would you ever again? You know, it's, it's you know you're purposely trying to to make money at that point. Um, he got beat up though. Did you hear his injuries? No, I just saw the swollen eye. He had like 17 stitches, a broken orbital bone, a fractured nose. Like, he got beat up. And he was a bigger dude, too. But, I mean, like, you can't beat up six people at the same time. It's really hard to do. And that's why I don't think, too, his size is why I don't think necessarily that this guy was just targeting a payday. It's one of those things where, you know, you know these people, right? That they like, oh, yeah. who does that guy think he is? You know, I'm big. He's big. I'll show him. I'm the tough guy. No, no, you're really not. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're really freaking not. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I still think you've got to know. It's a, it's a, it's a win-win situation. If I fight Aaron Donald and I magically knock him out, I'm the coolest fucking guy on the planet. I fight Aaron Donald and I get beat up. I get to sue him for money. 
So it's really kind of a win-win in this guy's opinion. Now he went to fight Aaron Donald and got beat up by other people. So big loss there. But, you know, you win some, you lose some in life, right? I feel like if I was a celebrity or a quasi-celebrity, I would have the biggest, baddest bodyguards on the planet just hanging out with me. I would not. It would. I would have two jujitsu black belts with me at all times. I don't care how big you are. I want two black belt jujitsu guys next to me, and we'll trust me. I don't care if you're six eight, three twenty. These guys will beat you up. Uh, this was kind of a funny story. A little bit off talking about the bodyguards. As I worked with a guy who was a manager at a retail store, and kind of a goofy guy, but nice guy. And he told me the story about how he'd gone to a party down in Houston or something like that. His brother used to fly him down to Houston just to hang out. And he said he went to this party where it was like A-list party. Like his brother somehow had special tickets or something, got him in. And one of his friends, he said was like a six foot six built muscular guy. And they came up with this plan that the six foot six guy was always like on his shoulder. And like, oh, he said by the end of the night, people were coming up asking for his autograph, asking his selfies with him. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's really funny. Um, awesome. The other NFL news is Jadeveon Clowney signs with the Browns one year, ten million or up to ten million. So I'm guessing it's one year and less, and he could get to ten million depending on what he achieves. He turned down a four year, fifty seven million dollar deal or something like that with the Browns last year. That's what I was just looking up. I was gonna say, man, I hope you have the stats for the money he turned down last year. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he bet on himself and he lost. You know, I, I don't. I don't hate that at all. Um, I would do that every year if I was if I was an NFL player, you know, and, and I thought I was worth more than what I was getting. I'd bet on myself and see if I could get there. Um, now he's not going to get there. And truthfully, I think he'll be a rotational kind of pass rusher at this point. I still think they try to bring in another edge guy in the draft and they'll try to work that in, you know, with Miles Garrett. I mean, to be truthful, I think you need three edge rushers anyway. Um, the other big news, though, is they released Sheldon Richardson also. Um, so they've lost both their starting defensive tackles this year too. So Christian Barmore, uh, in the first round, if he drops to them, I think would be the, the easy pick for, for Cleveland. Um, because beyond that, I don't know what's left on the free agent wire as far as defensive tackle. So maybe Clowney slips inside and plays tackle for them, which truthfully I think would be a great, great, great plan. So. I don't know. It's always weird when you make those switches, because I think of Derek Thomas, uh, at one point in his career, he went from linebacker to defensive end. And it totally crippled his stats. I mean, maybe he had a bigger impact being a defensive end, but like his sack numbers went way down when they moved him to the line. Yeah, but Clowney doesn't get sacks anyway. Uh, yeah. uh, Clowney's best at stuffing the run and essentially being the the strong side defensive end anyway, which is more like a like a five tech. I uh, think J.J. Watt, essentially, but J.J. Watt rushes the passer much better. But so essentially it's something like that where, where your job is to really just kind of hold up offensive lineman um and then if you create pressure awesome if not you know that's not a problem we'll let our linebackers take care of that um but i think he's going to succeed rather well there truthfully i I, you know miles garrett helps a lot did you see that quote he had i did where he said that it was nice to play with a guy who can impact line there's a picture of jj watt like what the (laughs) yeah (laughs) well jj watt's like you know i'm three-time defensive player of the year right so uh i mean you know these guys just talk um you know that's what that's what they do so the before we get to the the man hour because we're gonna get to them in a second the on 
uh, Facebook, we're part of all these different groups, and there was a sports soup group where uh, Chad, who used to be part of Brandon's show, um, had put out this quote saying, if any athlete in history, any sport, couldn't get hurt, he goes, who would you pick? And his pick was Grant Hill, right? And we just talked about that. But if we're talking all sports, no injuries in their career, how do you not pick Bo Jackson? I don't um, I mean, I probably wouldn't pick Jackson. I'd probably pick Griffey Jr. But his injuries weren't. Th- I mean, he still had 600 career home runs. I mean, he, I it, probably could have had eight. All right, but I mean, Bo Jackson didn't get a chance to even really, you know, take off. Okay. So I'm just saying, you know, see what he could do. I, I I hear you. I'd love to see what Griffey could do without injuries as well. We saw what he could do without injuries. Exactly. And I so I'd like to see him do it with zero injuries the whole time. <laughs> Um, we saw what Bo could do too, and then he got injured. You know, so you know, uh, you know, your point stands. Granted, just because I saw mine longer doesn't mean I wouldn't like to see him without a full career. Another one that's really high up there for me is Derrick Rose. Um, yep. I would have loved, loved, loved to see him. He was so explosive. I don't think people remember Prime D Rose properly because Prime T Rose had the ability to be a top ten player of all time, in my opinion. Well, he's the MVP of the league. And it, it and like far and away, like he was so exciting to watch. Um, think of a controlled Russell Westbrook. You know, was was D Rose in my opinion? Like he played the game under control, but he played it so fast and so explosive. It was so fun to watch. Um, he'd be one, and then Penny Hardaway. Um, I would love to see you know stay completely healthy. Um, hmm. I mean, those are probably the two guys. Uh, I mean, you could go with uh, Megatron because maybe he'd have a longer career if he didn't get so many things. But he yeah. didn't really miss time. He didn't really, yeah, he didn't really miss a ton of time. That's I'm trying to think of guys that miss like significant. You know, like if you miss like a whole season or something like that. Shit, Tom Brady. You know, would it would it would have been nice to see him not miss a whole season? Um, Kerry Wood, maybe. Uh, I don't know about Kerry Wood, but beyond that, it's it's tough to like really think of a guy whose career just like kind of ended. Um, if that's what you're thinking, then obviously Griffey doesn't apply to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand Bo. You also have to, you know, let folks know that you worship Bo. So, I mean, well, everybody should, he's the true sports (laughs) one and only God. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I would love to see like some of these guys, some of these baseball guys numbers, if they didn't, I know it's not an injury, but if they didn't have to go fight in a war. Uh, um, I would I would like to see you know they missed you know three four years of their prime, you know I would like to see a lot of those guys stats at this point. Or I, I mean, if we're really we brought it up earlier in the show, if we're gonna say Ben Bias, Ben Bias, yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that honestly. Um, but yeah, Ben Bias. I mean, he would have gone to the Celtics, so I really wouldn't have liked to have seen it. But yeah, and and you know, truthfully, we don't know. He could have very easily well been a bust as well. So yes, well, only if he went to Duke. Um, now we talked about in the last episode and you guys all listened you heard it we talked about trevor lawrence and the likelihood of him being a bust being very small i think we said one percent um and just because he's arguably the greatest quarterback prospect of all time football prospect of all time now the man hour we know that their staff doesn't necessarily feel the same way that we do and they picked up our show and this is what Brandon Combs, it's a minute and a half, so I apologize for those of you for the next minute and a half, but this is what Brandon Combs, one of their hosts, had to say, and we'll discuss it. Wayne and, and Sully, I was listening to their show, and I was listening to them both talk about he does nothing wrong. Like, like Trevor Lawrence has always been a winner. He does everything right. There, You can't pick out one thing in his game that he does wrong. 
Well, there's been plenty I mean, I, of quarterbacks like that in college. That. There's been plenty of quarterbacks like that in college. So you you can go back and and, and you know do your research. You can go back and, and look at it. But you look at guys like uh, like Keith Schuler back in '94 when the Skins went to draft. He was a can't miss prospect as well. He was a 1993 SEC Player of the Year, and he ended up being a bust. David Klingler of the of the Bengals. Yeah, the, these guys this were all guy, good early this, first round prospects. No, but no. Klingler was a the number three pick in '92. Threw 716 yards in one game in college, and in 32 games in college, threw for 9,430 yards and 91 touchdowns. They were Trevor saying Lawrence this guy the is the prototype being a quarterback back in '92. They said well, this guy is going to be the that. best quarterback. Because, so well, Trevor, Trevor is a top five quarterback prospect of all time. I, I, I know I, this kid. Uh, all right, so let me finish. This kid back in in '92, David Klingler. They're, they're like, oh, th- this kid's going to be great. He all these records that he's thrown. He, he's breaking records. He's he's put throwing up phenomenal stuff. He he. There's nothing wrong with his game. Well, he lasted 24 games in the NFL, and he threw for 16 touchdowns and 22 interceptions after putting up all those numbers in college. So there you go. I mean, basically, he's saying that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust because good players are busts. Well, I mean, for one, Heath Schuler is not near the prospect. He is, was never a can't-miss prospect. He's talking out of his woo-hoo at that point. He went third overall. Um, Heath Schuler was not a can't-miss prospect. He had plenty wrong with him. Breaking records in college means nothing about you as a prospect. Trevor Lawrence didn't break any passing records in college. Um, it's about what he does with the football and with wins. Trevor Lawrence has been to national championships. Heath Schuler didn't. Trevor Lawrence has won national championships. Heath Schuler didn't. Um, you know, that's where these guys are, are different. You know, it's it's easy to compare prospects and think, oh, this guy didn't succeed, so this guy won't. Well, the thing is, is Trevor Lawrence isn't these other guys. We haven't seen somebody like this. He does not have a comp. Um, if Every prospect has has things that that are negatives. If, if your biggest negative is, is like Trevor Lawrence, um, has a tendency to, to airmail some throws, you can see where he gets like juiced up and he'll airmail some throws. Um, he also has a tendency to overextend a play. Um, very rarely will he not make the correct decision, but in, in those cases, it's because he's trying to overextend a play. So there, there's two negatives on him. Beyond that, I mean, the guy is is as clean as a prospect that you're looking for, and it's not about his 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 physical tools. Yes, that helps. Meanwhile, he's he's six six two two twenty. He sure was six two two ten. Let's not forget, folks. So it's like you you know, there's there's differences here that yeah, it's easy to say this guy was a can't miss. Well, he wasn't. You know, nobody talks about Heath Schuler as one of the greatest prospects of all time. His name never comes up ever. Nobody talks about Dave Klingberg as one of the best prospects of all time. Name never comes up ever. Doesn't. You know who's does? Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning. One of the cleanest prospects of all time. Yeah, of course, Ryan Leaf was rated highly as well. You know, and there's going to be busts on this list. Ryan Leaf wasn't near the prospect Trevor Lawrence is. Um, You know, it's all context. And again, it's easy to say a guy's going to be bad. But yet you notice he didn't list one thing wrong about Trevor Lawrence's game. He says, oh, he's got negatives and this and that. Well, he didn't list any negatives. It's very easy to say Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. It's very hard to give reasons why. Um, other than I think he'll be a bust. It's, if you watch his football tape and you watch the, the young man play football and you watch him play from freshman year to sophomore year to junior year, 
there's no reason in the entire world to think he won't succeed. Right. And I, I think that he brought up Ryan Leaf as well, and he brought up Tim Couch. And my two arguments with those guys, obviously Ryan Leaf, to me, what concerned me about Ryan Leaf is the same thing that concerned me about Joe Burrow, who looks like he's going to be really good, but he was a one-year wonder. One-year production. You know, yeah. Ryan Leaf wasn't good the first two years he was in college, and then he had a really great year. And yes, his measurables, he had a cannon for an arm. He's 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, you know, he was a prototypical – he looked good. Mm-hmm. But – my concern would be the only one year production. If you're really so good, why didn't you produce the first two years? And that's my that was my concern with Joe Burrow. Like if you're really so good, why didn't you beat out Cardell Jones? If you're really so good, why didn't you have your first good year LSU? You know, and so those are my concerns with him. Like you said, Lawrence doesn't have those concerns. And Tim Couch, the problem with him is he was in a crappy quarterback draft class and he went to the Cleveland Browns. He was never the number one high school player in the country. He played at Kentucky, you know. I mean, it was just a bad draft for quarterbacks. So Listing him just because he was the first overall pick, it was a crappy draft. This is not. It is not. And I, not just that. This is like one of the sickest drafts ever. Like, like I don't know. It, it's tough for me to – like Tim Couch, again, never a guy that would ever be considered one of the better quarterback prospects that we've looked at, even in the last 20 to 30 years. He's just not. Um, now granted the, the way we scout guys is completely different now. Uh, it's easier, I think, to, to see guys and, and how they will succeed more be, because we put more on them at the college level. Um, Trevor Lawrence, you know, runs a, co- a pro style offense. You know, he's not going to have any issues coming into it. I, again, it's very easy and I'll repeat this a thousand times and, and I'll wait for Brandon to come back and give me something if he wants. You know, I'm obviously more than welcome to have this debate. It's very easy to say Trevor Lawrence won't succeed. It's very difficult to give reasons why. The last segment of our show, we haven't done it in eons, but it is the Infinity Five, which basically we obviously, if you're not familiar with the show, we take a top five, bottom five, favorite five, something that has to do with the number five. And In hindsight, we probably should have made it six because there's six Infinity Stones, but (laughs) we're doing the Infinity Five. And... uh, Today I, I threw it at Sully because we were trying to think of what to do, and I and I didn't know you know what the best option would be. But I came up with movies because I love movies, and I said if Wayne gets to pick, it's going to be entertainment related. I'll tell you yes, that much: movies or music. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, uh, I said, what are the top five sequels of all time? And, and mine's very biased. I usually don't do bias lists, but I was very biased with mine. And it doesn't have to be sports movies; it can be any movie. And sequels, as we know, generally aren't as good as the originals. You know, but sometimes they are. So I wanted to get with you. What would be your fifth, your number five sequel of all time? Well, the 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 other interesting thing about my list is all five of these movies I think are better than the original as well. Okay. Um, which I think is why they're my top five sequels of all time, um, because I actually think they're better than. The, now that's not why I picked them because they're better than the original, but they're my favorite five sequels. Not even my favorite. I think my best. Uh, number five, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I actually think it'd be the third installment, um, technically, but I don't know what you would call it. Um, but I, I just love the movie cinematically. I love it. Um, Tom Ford's brilliant. Charlie Theron's brilliant. Um, I just love, love, love everything about the movie. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, so the original was uh, The Road Warrior, and then uh, the second one was Mad Max, uh, yeah. The Thunderdome. The Thunderdome, and, that's right. And then, so this one would be, I guess, the third one. The third one, yeah. I didn't really like, so to me, The Thunderdome was still the better, I thought, uh, of the three. I, I didn't really, I watched Fury Road because it got so much acclaim from, like, critics, too. Like, usually those types of movies don't get critical acclaim. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I watched it, and I don't know, I just couldn't get behind it. I, I didn't feel like they developed the the bad guy enough. I don't know. I just that I agree with. Uh, um, what's his name? Something Joe, Immortal Joe. Okay. Um, I, I agree. I don't think they made him like they, there wasn't enough backstory essentially. But again, like cinema cinematography wise, I think it's like just absolutely just spot on, brilliantly done, and uh, just had me kind of in, like super interested the whole time. Uh, my number five, again, in my list as well, I think all five of these are better than the original movie. My number five is Avengers Endgame. Uh, I just feel like of all the Avengers movies, this was the best one. I saw it in the theater uh, opening day. We wore uh, Avengers uniforms, me and my family, oh, to go nice. watch it. <laughs> and, nice. uh, not like uniforms. like the, We wore like the, the Pym Particle like hoodies. Yeah, like and, uh, We wore those, and I remember, uh, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not even – Ashamed to admit it, but I was bawling my eyes out oh, at the I end. Cried my heart out, uh, and I almost jumped out of my seat when Captain America caught the hammer after he. Uh, oh, you know. bro! There's so many uh, when when the portals open and they say Avengers assemble. I I don't think I've gotten bigger chills in my entire <laughs> life. Like I mean, my, that movie is on my list. It will be much higher. Okay. Yeah, I have a bunch of them on here. So that was my of, of the Avengers movies. Uh, that one I think is the best. Although some people say Infinity War is better than Endgame. I just like Endgame better though. <laughs> See, and, and I mean, it's, again, Endgame is the sequel to Infinity War. Um, so I don't know how you want to define that because Infinity War was its own movie in the timeline. So like, like Thor Ragnarok is the sequel to Thor. It's not. Like, like, you get what I mean? Right. Well, it was the third installment because there was Thor, Thor, Dark World, and Thor, Ragnarok. Yeah, but Whereas, like, but like, it, Infinity War is the original, so you couldn't have picked it. I consider the original Avengers the original, then Ultron, then Infinity War. See, I get, I don't, I guess, like, you could definitely do that, but then, like, you have to consider almost all of them because they're all encompassed. So I try to like separate them, but I guess you're right. I mean, again, you're nitpicking there, but um, Ultron was the only one I wasn't really a fan of. Um, I did not like it, but it was probably like my least favorite. Um, it was like Iron Man three, I think. Like again, Man. I did not like it, but it wasn't like well done. Um, they just didn't do a good job developing the Mandalorian, I don't think, uh, or the Mandarin. Mandarin, not Ma- Mandalorian's the fantastic <laughs> series. They did a great job developing the Mandalorian. They did do a great <laughs> job of that. I, I, I'm sorry, John Favreau. Um, so uh, my number four is. Uh, Oh, there it is. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Um, I think that's the best one. Um, I think it's incredible. Uh, I, the the fight scene at the end is just, I think, probably the best fight scene in a movie of all time, um, or battle scene, I should say. Um, it just, I just love every every second of that movie. I liked. So I had a hard time with the Lord of the Rings trilogy because I had read the book prior to seeing the movie and they left so much out and so much wasn't explained and then other things because they'd paid so much money to live Tyler. She had a bigger part in the movie than she did in the book Um, and just things like that. So like I remember reading the book and um, in the last one, the uh, return of the King, Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, Aragorn or Aragorn uh, marries the the leaf princess there, whatever her name or elf princess, uh, Liv Tyler, which in the movie series, you see it coming. Like they've got this relationship, they're together, and then they get married at the end. Makes sense. Well, in the book, you didn't see it coming. They mentioned her. She was like in it a little bit, but he had this thing for the blonde lady who was the daughter of the king uh, the or whatever. King of whatever it was. Yeah. King and of Rome. Yeah. He, they had a really, really hot relationship. And <laughs> so you thought, I mean, oh, they showed that in the movie. Yeah, I don't feel like they did enough, though, because I was you surprised. You definitely tell she was in love with him in the movie. Like when they're riding, like when they're riding to the keep, um, and like, you know, they have that scene where he's like, you know, like staring at her and like they've got that moment. And then he falls off and she like cries, you know, hysteric. Like, I mean, you could tell there was some kind of connection there. Now, obviously, they didn't expand on it and make it as steamy as it was in the book. But again, it's more about the battle scene. That last battle scene for me was just so epic. Yeah. Any of those battles, I mean, I think that actually you can, um, in Return of the King, maybe they had the battle at the gates, was it? Um, so there's been a couple of good no, battles. That's since. two towers. That's a two towers. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. It was that, a race, yeah. the racer flying in, and I don't remember the, right. one, the one with the keep where they've got to get like they they've got to come up the wall, and yep. um, that's that's two. Three is the one where they fight at the castle. I thought like at the at Mordor. Um, oh yeah. I, I I don't know. Again, it's it's actually been a while. I need to rewatch them, but. I just love Twin Towers. Uh, my number four is uh, what, from my favorite. I think it's my favorite series of all time. I'm going to call it my favorite series of all time, and it's the second installment, Rocky II. Oh. Um, I'm a big Rocky fan. I know Rocky won Best Picture and Best Screenplay and all that. But Rocky II, because he actually wins, he beats Apollo. Uh, when Adrian wakes up from her coma that she was in after giving birth, and she's like, I want you to win. At yeah. the end, he's like, yo, Adrian, I did it. <laughs> Adrian! Yeah. I don't know. I actually think... Is four with Drago or three? Four. I think four is the best one. Then. I don't know. I just did, Four seemed too cookie-cutter for me. It, yeah, it was, but it was really good. It was beating Russia, which was awesome. Yeah. It's always good. Um, People crap on five, but I liked five with Tommy Gunn. Five Gun. with Tommy Gunn was... I mean, that's probably that's like my second or third favorite one. I love the Tommy Gunn one. That the the not what I hate, and I hate about all movies where you're fighting is Tommy Gunn knocks people out with ease with twelve ounce gloves on. Then he fights Rocky Balboa in the street and can't knock him out with pure fists. Um, well, Drago was killing people and he couldn't knock Rocky out. But that's with gloves again with fists. If, you've never been hit. All right, you punch somebody with a bare fist, bro. You go to you go to sleep, like it hurts a lot. Um, so it's just it's always funny to watch. But that's in every movie. That's not just in this Rocky. That's in every movie. These long drawn out fights where guys on top of somebody going like this, and then all of a sudden the guy reverses it, dude. If you're on top of somebody and you hit him twice, he's knocked out, smooth, cold, he's dead. Um, but uh, my number three, this one was tough because this is where it gets this is where it gets tough for me. Um, I'm gonna go Dark Knight. Okay. Um, which I think is the best of the the series of the new Batman's. Um, that movie was just so brilliant. I mean, Heath Ledger was obviously insane in that movie, and just I mean, it's probably the defining acting of his career. I think. Now, granted, it was short lived, and he died kind of right after, but nonetheless. 
Um, I think people, most people would say that's his best acting performance, and he was just brilliant. And then just the whole movie in general, I think, was extremely well done. So, No, I would agree. I think that I could watch five movies with him as the Joker as the bad guy. I could, oh, yeah. easy. A hundred percent. Easy. He was so good yeah. um, and, and terrifying, but also, like, I don't know what it was about him. Like, he was he wanting to root for him almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yep. you kind of rooted for him, but you also knew he was the bad guy. And, yeah, of course. And he was scary, but not too scary. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he was, he was intimidating, not scary. Like, you feared him. You didn't like, you weren't like, like, Bane was scary. Like, Joker was, Bane was intimidating. Joker was scary. Let me put it that way. You know what it is? Is I think like with the Joker, I would be afraid if he captured me, mm-hmm. but I wasn't afraid for Batman. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean? Yeah. Like with Bane, I was afraid for Batman because Bane yeah. is stronger than him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. That's a great one. Um, and, and that'll come back around on my list as well. So. <laughs> uh, but my number three is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh. Um, I, I mean, all the Indiana Jones movies. Really? I like them all. I mean, obviously Harrison Ford is. There's uh, just. They're ruined for me because Indiana Jones is completely unnecessary to the story. You've yeah, heard that. You've heard this theory, right? I have. You can yeah. Take Indiana Jones out of the movie and nothing changes about the movie. Yeah. Which well, I the, the original one, not all yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But which I don't know just ruins the whole kind of thing for. I don't know, but go on. Right. So <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, Raiders of the Lost Ark is okay. It's good. Uh, Temple of Doom sucks. Yes. And then uh, the Last Crusade, they bring in Sean Connery as his dad, and there's so many funny moments between the two of them and that relationship. Uh, they're hunting for the Holy Grail, which is amazing. Um, and then they have to pass the the religious test at the end. And I don't know. And of course, in all of them, he fights Nazis. I think except for the Temple of Doom. Yeah. But it's which is know. great. You gotta love that. I, to me, yeah, I just that's the best installment for the 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 Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Forget that. But yeah, the Last Crusade to me is the best one in that series. Um. I agree. I mean, it's again. I don't. I'm not a fan of any of them, really. But if I had to watch any of them, I guess it would be that one. Excuse me. I, actually, it, even as much as we all hate Nazis, I think it's hilarious the scene where he gets the Grail Bible autographed by Hitler. Like he's like going to the crowd, and Hitler looks at him and he just signs it. <laughs> um, my number two is Endgame. Right. Um, you know, we spoke about it. It's. Uh, Man, that movie was just so brilliantly done. I could watch it a thousand times and never get tired of it. So, my number two is The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. Easy. So I'm curious. If we're gonna have the same number uh, one. We'll see. We have the same one here. Um, right. It's it's you know it's not my favorite movie of all time, but it's definitely up there. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, it's the it's in my opinion the greatest sequel of all time. Um, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. I think it's just, it's the best star Wars of all time, in my opinion. So yeah. Empire strikes back to the moon. You're going to have you, Godfather too, aren't you? You've just said a lot that I disagree with. And we, uh, we've had this disagreement before, actually, before we went to video, we've had this disagreement because I think Jedi is better than empire. I mean, it's um, not, but, yeah. but, but I don't have Jedi as my number one. Yeah. Uh, for me, the greatest sequel of all time is Terminator two T two judgment day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the first Terminator was an okay movie. I mean, it's an action movie, you know? Yeah. And then T2, the story was so good, and the bad guy was fantastic, the liquid guy. And just, that is true. I forgot about T2. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, everything about it was just great. And, and then they're trying to stop Skynet. Which one? The, who plays the liquid cop? I don't know his real name. I know other stuff he's been in. But. Yeah, because I, I, I like him as an actor. He's, he plays like that. 
I don't know that character well. I just kind of like that character that he plays. Pretty much every kid. He always plays the same guy, kind of. But I like like, CIA agent with a dark side. Yeah, exactly. I just I think he's good for that role. Maybe I guess is is more. I think he he what he does. I think he does well. All right. Well, those are our top sequels of all time. Obviously, there's some that didn't make it. You mentioned uh, when we first started talking about sports movies and we we're talking about sports sequels. I'm like, there's not really a lot of good sports sequels. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, so for me, like you mentioned Major League Two and like Major League is my all time favorite yeah. movie. And Major League Two is one of my most loathed movies yeah. of all time. Is that the buzz or is that three? No, that's three is when uh, Scott cool. Bakula is the coach of the minor league team. That one uh, was good. It was all right. It was better than two. It was uh, where, where he gets the coach on the other sideline to do the toupee scene and he pulls his hair up and uh, it's all like looking all wild before the game. And he's like, ah, who's got, who's an idiot now? And he's got the hair. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, I believe that the star hitter, I think it was Anderson that he had to teach to hit opposite field mm-hmm. um, was the guy in tombstone that challenged uh, Val Kilmer, right? He that, the gun, twirling Is the gun it tombstone there. A, a sequel? No. What's a sequel? There's another one that was really- Wild, Wild Wild West too. I don't know. No, I can't remember. Oh, Bad Boys uh, for Life wasn't bad. Or actually, Bad Boys too. Bad Boys too. too. That's right. That one was good. Uh, the other one I thought about doing was uh, um, like one of the Mighty Ducks, but man, it was tough to because I wanted ones that were better than the than the first. That was yeah. kind of like my stipulation, not just good sequels. Um, so, and the first one was just so good that um, it was it would have been tough to pick another one. I really liked um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, that's true. That's uh, a good, that good one. Too. Three was junk, but um, I like John Wick 2 a lot, but I, I, I don't think I could have found it a spot on this list. Again, John Wick 1 was just better, too. I like um, three. I like all three of those movies. I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of three because I think it got too theatrical, but again, I think it was great. Um, and then the other one I wanted to put on there, but I couldn't, was one of the Matrix, but because I love that. Yeah. I love that whole trilogy. I didn't like the sequels. See, I didn't love them, but I thought three was pretty good. I thought three was really good, actually. But um, but one was just so perfect. So well, and that's I, that's the way I felt. I hear about they're it. making a, a remake of those, honestly. So, well, that's how I felt about the Ocean's movie. Like I liked Ocean's Twelve. Ooh, um, that's uh, right. when they are uh, was it stealing the the Fabergé egg? Yeah. Um, but like you said, one was so good. So I mean, two good. two wasn't better than one. No, and three wasn't better than two. Oh, Toy Story, awesome. Toy Story almost made the list for me. Um, two or three, I think, were fantastic, and I think they were better than one, but it just missed it. Um, yeah, I think that covered it. I'm surprised neither of us had The Godfather two, which is arguably considered the greatest movie of all time. I, I hate The Godfather movies. I know we both do, so I, I'm like, I, I'm glad we we agree on that. We both think they're terrible movies. So yeah. All right. Well, th- that is Hated our list. Thoughts. Yeah, this is our show. Uh, obviously, if you're listening. We appreciate it. You made it all the way through. Please feel free to like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We are at Infinity Sports Podcast or on Twitter. It's at Sports Infinity 5. And check us out on YouTube. We've got the clips. You don't have to watch the whole show. If there's just a clip that you liked or a segment that you liked, it'll be on there by itself. And uh, I do a really good job with the graphics, so it looks really professional. You wouldn't know that we're amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Definitely. Uh, that said, I guess, uh, Kenny, uh, where are we at with the show again this week? <laughs>